Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. It's the monster from the swamps, Regis Ruguru Program. Hey, what's up? This is King Carlos Molina, former IBF world champ. This is Michael, the bounty hunter, 2012 Olympian and your people's champ. This is Charlie Edwards, flyweight champion of the world. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 327 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined as ever by former heavyweight world title challenger, Mr. Fast Eddie Chambers. Eddie, how you doing, man? I'm doing great, my man. How about you? Always good when speaking with you, Eddie. That is the truth. Again, this week's show is going to be a little bit bite-sized, a little bit like last week's show. There's not too much to review. There's pretty much one card. There's not too much to preview. There's pretty much one card. And, of course, we will have our special guest, which will be John Ryder, who has an upcoming fight next month against Daniel Jacobs in London. What a amazing fight that's going to be. Um, so, yeah, let's dive straight into the review part. We're going to start here in Panama. Um, this one took place uh, in Panama at the Centro. I'm not even going to start with the pronunciation. The Centro de Convenciones Vasco Núñez de Balboa. Uh, I tried my best. Anyway, on that card there, we had Gabriela Fandora, the sister of Sebastian Fandora. She picked up a win, an eighth-round unanimous decision over eight two-minute rounds against Natalie Delgado, now 8-5 and five with a draw. Delgado down in the fifth round. She lost absolutely every round, and of course, that fifth, she lost a 10-8. Uh, so Fandora now 5-0 and oh, uh, with two KOs. I believe, or three KOs. Uh, moving out now to the Turning Stone Resort and Casino in Verona, New York, USA. This one was on ESPN. It was also on um, Sky Sports. Um, yeah, so over here we had... Pretty much, I'm just going to talk about the main event. I didn't see much of the undercard. I don't know if you did, Eddie. So if you did, then you can speak on that if you like in a moment. But yeah, Joe Smith now 28-3. and three, A KO in round 9 against Steve Jeffrard. A late replacement now... Um, now nine or oh, sorry, eighteen and three. It was for Smith's WBO World Light Heavyweight Title. I didn't really um, take many notes during the fight. I obviously watched it live. Uh, it was good to kind of get big time boxing back on TV. Uh, certainly in the UK, it seems like it's been a, a little bit of a while now. I don't think there's been much in in January. Um, I don't think there's been much since Christmas, really, if anything. Um, so yeah, it was good to see everything back on TV, back on Sky. Um, I like Joe Smith, obviously. I said that many times. Really, one of my favourite fighters to watch, uh, entertainment-wise, and I also just like the guy. He's, he's a very cool, likable guy. Um, but yeah, I mean, he he completely bossed the fight. Um, I liked his jabs. Um, he got a little bit busted up himself in terms of, I think, maybe a couple of cuts here and there. But he won every round. He got the stoppage. It was, you know, it was expected. Really, um, I thought it'd probably come a bit early. It didn't come as early as I expected. But I mean, yeah, it was a comfortable victory. Um, I didn't know anything about Steve Jeffrard. I'd only really heard of his name on Fight Week, which 
may sound bad from a hardcore boxing fan kind of point of view, but um, I, I heard a lot about him, you know, in the amateurs. Apparently, he was a really good amateur. Um, he come up against Michael Hunter a couple of times in the amateurs, and Michael Hunter seemed to be his boogeyman. He couldn't beat Michael Hunter, but he pretty much beat everyone else. Um, I actually know someone, and I'm not going to, I can't really say the name, but I know someone who put roughly about $1,000 on Steve Jeffrod and it being, you know, various outcomes of the fight, but not Joe Smith Jr. winning. I know someone that put money on Jeffrod to win on points, Jeffrod to just win a draw, um, about $1,000, which of course they had absolutely nothing, uh, you know, no return on that bet. Everything went completely wrong. Um, so yeah, some people were confident with Jeff Rod, um, Eddie, and I, I think I incorrectly said that Stephen Edwards was a trainer or a manager or something. I think it was actually, um, who was it in the corner, man? Uh, I think it was Kevin Cunningham, if I'm not mistaken. But anyways, what did you make of the fight? Right. I know you watched it. No, it was, uh, it was, it was interesting. Uh, I, the guy Jeff Rod wasn't wasn't too bad. I, I, he wasn't like you know what you would ex- what you would expect in a late replacement. I felt like he came in. With uh, maybe well, the way he fights anyway, he's he's he does the kind of the winky right style hands up, and he was effective at times, you know, landing jabs and the odd shot, but it was just I think too few and far between. And Joe Smith, being you know the guy that he is and the puncher that he is too, uh, just kept and he kept and it's funny enough because he kept the volume up, which is you know I mean I guess that's normally his thing anyway, but I think he throws more heavy shots one at a time. But he seemed to be throwing combinations. He was putting more jabs out there. He was he was definitely doing uh, a better job than I ever thought he was going to do as, you know, as a stalker, you know, kind of like boxer puncher. That's what I think he was kind of leaning toward. And Jeff Rod was, I think, a little too too much on the back foot at times. And I don't think he was busy enough to keep up. Even though he did some good things and landed some good counter shots here and there, I thought he landed a good right hand. Uh, I think it was early in the fight. might have been even the first round, like an like overhand or a straight. It might have been a straight right, whatever. Um, that it didn't hurt him or anything, but it you could it was a good shot. It was at you know the right time, um, but pretty much the rest of it was all Joe uh, Joe 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 Smith. He just he just he was just I don't know. He was too busy, was, and then his, eventually his punching power. You see in the fight at, at one point it was I think fairly early, maybe the fourth or fifth round, and he was catching uh, Jeff Rod with a few shots, and you know Jeff Rod would put his hands out and like shake his head and all that. And, you know, a lot of times when I see stuff like that, I used to do stuff like that when I was really confident and I felt like I could, you know, just, you know, I have control of the fight. But I just never really saw that with him. So it kind of may have been like a nervous reaction to, to what was going on. But um, but all in all, you know, I digress from the point. All in all, uh, Joe Smith, good job. You know what I mean? He put, he put hands on him. He didn't do any of those things like trying to do the shoulder roll, trying those, those things that really aren't a part of his style. He just... You know what I mean? I think he just handled himself, uh, you know, really well, trying to be a, you know, not trying to be, but being a boxer puncher, taking care of business, and eventually getting the stoppage. The guy Jeff, the guy Jeff Rod, had a lot of experience from the amateurs, good technical fighter, and knew how to survive to it, to it, so so to speak, until obviously until late, when Joe Smith just put the hands on him a little bit too much. But like I said, all in all, Joe Smith Jr., really good performance. Yeah, so like I say, that is it for the review part of the show. Um, There wasn't too much to go over, as I said. And it's now time to welcome our special guest on this week's podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the Islington icon. It is, of course, Mr. John Ryder. John, welcome back on the show, my man. 
well, afternoon such like that. Thank you for having me, and that's why I keep coming back. There we go. <laughs> so, John, we last caught up back in September. Uh, it was just after your last fight, of course. Um, how have things been since then? How was your Christmas and all the rest of that? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's been it's been quiet in in a sense that we was hoping to get a big fight before the year was out. Um, didn't materialise. Um, but we sat down ready, obviously, start of December and said we needed something big. And, and I mean, lo and behold, he's delivered. But it was um, it was nice, obviously, going into Christmas, knowing this fight was looming, but just a bit slow in announcing it. So it was a bit frustrating at times. But, I mean, luckily, a week into, into the new year, we've, we've got the fight announced and we've got a date set. Excellent, man. And we also haven't spoken since... Um, I guess the king, really, of your division, Canelo, beat Caleb Plant and therefore eliminated the last remaining champion, which led Canelo to becoming undisputed. I always find your take on fights quite interesting. What did you take uh, from that fight there, John? Um, I thought it was a good a good performance from Canelo. I think I don't think he looked himself. He didn't. I think he lacked a bit of a bit of sharpness. Um, but having said that, he said himself after he said he's had a, he's had a busy year, and I suppose we can all expect that he's um, he's done a, he's done a crazy thing in the, in the last year, hasn't he? Do you know what I mean, with Smith Smith last December eighteenth, um, Yildirim I think early February, Billy Joe May, and then he's absolutely cleared up as a, di- a division in under a year. So he's um, he's taking liberties to sell any, but he's um, he's done well, mate. And hopefully he'll he'll start next year as he needs to go on and hopefully it'll be a bit more clarity in what he's doing and, and we'll know what we're doing at Super Middleweight because hopefully if he, if he is going up to 175, hopefully a few of the belts will get freed up at Super Middle and we can start cracking on fighting for titles back, back yeah, definitely. in the division. Definitely. And it's slightly unrelated, but I don't know if you knew, um, your former opponent as well, Mike Guy, back in November, just stopped a prospect um, who was on the come up. So uh, that was good for him as well. Um, I mean, I know. Do you know what? I read the report. The come forward, Mike Guy. I thought well, we're not, we're not talking about the same fellow here. Eh? <laughs> the, the aggressive come forward. I thought not, not a chance. That's not who I boxed. But, um, no, do you know what? Fair play to him. Um, listen, what, what is he? He's, he's forty now, isn't he, Mike Guy? And listen, he's, he's putting in performances like that. It's a fair play. And do you know what? It only looks better on me having, having beaten, beating well. Yeah, absolutely. Naughty 40, Mike Guy. Um, your next fight's been penciled in, like you said. Obviously, it's a big one. And as you said, Eddie Hearn has delivered here. You'll be taking on former two-time middleweight world champion Danny Jacobs, February 12th at the Alexandra Palace. How important was it for you, John, to get home advantage in this fight? Well, it's, it's something I wasn't really expecting. It's not something I was holding hope for. Obviously, I've not boxed in London since... Um, I think it was November 2018. So it's nice to be boxing back in in UK and, and London, especially. Um, but I mean, to get the fight to London was going to be a, a good thing. But to have it in the heart of North London, Alexandra Palace is, is is unbelievable. Stuff dreams are made of. So for me to like really kickstart my career again in Ali Pali on home soil against a great great fighter like Danny Jacobs is, is a dream come true. And um, correct me if I'm wrong, because my memory is pretty useless, but you were ringside for Canelo Jacobs, if I'm not mistaken, no? Yeah, I boxed on the, uh, I boxed on the undercard. I boxed Bilal, for the right yeah, Ackaway. Ackaway. And um, 
yeah, me and Tony were sat ringside to watch the the main event, and um, yeah, it was, it was a great show to to well be a part of and actually sit there and watch and embrace the Mexican, embrace the chaos of the Mexican fans, and and enjoy a good fight. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure at the time you probably had your eyes more focused on Canelo. Obviously, you have, though, seen Jacobs up close. Um, How much do you rate Jacobs at this point, John? I mean, what are you expecting from him? Obviously, we all know his miracle backstory, his great achievements. But since that Canelo loss, uh, which was an excellent performance from him, by the way, he hasn't really looked his old self. I mean, he's moved up away, obviously, to super middle. The two fights he's had, he hasn't looked great against Chavez, and he, he arguably lost to Gabe Rosado he's coming off a real long layoff here and obviously having to make that long trip from the States yeah I mean it's funny enough I was talking to Tony about today I mean he's had a long layoff but I've only had one more fight than him in that time Um, where where he's he's not boxed in a year he had I think he had a fight he boxed Chavez end of 2019 I think and then I think he boxed boxed um, early 2020 against Rosado or, or late 2020. Late 2020, yeah. Yeah, late 2020, sorry. So, I mean, that's he's had over a year out of the ring competitive competitive boxing, but, I mean, in that time, I've only had one more fight in him, which is, which is an odd one, but it seems like I've been so much more active. Yeah. Yeah. Um, obviously, it's a non-title bout. Um, I remember for a long time you were linked with the David Lemieux fight, which, like this fight here, was a very dangerous fight and also not for a title. Um, I want to ask you, John, what means more to you personally? Is it fighting for a world title or just simply fighting against the biggest names, but perhaps for no belt on the line? Well, I'm I'm told and I'm hoping that we can get this for a final inmate after the WBA. So be, yeah. I think that's that's ongoing. So fingers crossed that will that will get sorted in the coming weeks. Um, but I think just just fighting the best, the best fighting the best, and the winner goes on. Do you know what I mean? And that's more important to me. Obviously, I want to win a world title. I've still got dreams and aspirations to achieve in this sport. But for me, I, w- I want to fight the biggest names in this sport. And currently. Uh, fighters that are not tied up and things up and coming. Danny Jacobs is that. Yeah, I mean, as as we said earlier, Canelo at the minute with all the belts. I mean, it's, it's it doesn't provide opportunities for everyone. Uh, they're few and far between. Um, I want to ask as well. One week before your fight, a great uh, all domestic fight. I'm sure you'll be watching it. Eubank and Liam Williams. Who wins that one for you, John? How do you see it going? Yes, I mean that's a great fight, and I mean uh, you, you've got. A, You've got to favour the work rate of Liam Williams, but then you've got the the punch power and the the skill set of Eubank. So it's a real fifty fifty. Um, it's a hard to split them. Um, obviously, Liam Williams now training with Adam Booth in the same gym as Harlem Eubank. I think it's a, a strange setup, but I don't know how that works. But um, no, I just think for for the fans, it's a real treat. And I think although Eubank's been a world champion and, and been in against good fighters. Liam Williams can match him for that. He's been in there against the likes of Andrade. He's been in with good fighters himself, and he he has mixed it at that that world level. He's sitting on the fence. I, I'm right on the fence at this one. Yeah, you do love a fence. <laughs> <laughs> All right, John. And, and um, my final real question: If you've got one, uh, share your prediction with us. If you have one, February twelfth, Ali Pali, you opposite Danny Jacobs. Well, the most important thing is to come away with a win, whether that comes by knockout, early, mid or late. 
um, or, or points win, just as long as my hand's raised by any means, then, then just favour me to win. I'm sure absolutely everyone wants to see you victorious here. And just finally, John, if you've got any closing words before we let you go, I love throwing it over to you and leaving us, uh, or letting you leave us with a nice little closing message. No, thanks for all the support the last couple of years. I know they've been quiet. Um, I've, I've not not enjoyed it too much myself either, but um, 2022, we're looking to kick it off with a bang February 12th and uh, hopefully bring big time boxing back to North London and, and and get a great win. There we go. Listen, John, it's always a pleasure speaking with you, my man. Best of luck for February 12th, and I'm sure we'll speak sometime afterwards. Brilliant, Joe. Thank you, mate. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the news part of the show. Just one thing to go over as it stands. If anything develops from now to the end of the show, I will mention it on the outro. Um, yeah, so one piece of news. It takes place, uh, this fight, on the undercard of um, Lee Wood and Michael Conlon, which goes down on March 12th. We're going to see a ring return for Terry Harper, former world champion, knocked out by um, Alicia Baumgardner in her last fight. She lost her title. She's moving up in weight here um, to, I think it's... Is it? I think it's lightweight now. She's moving up there. Uh, she fights here for the vacant WBA Intercontinental lightweight title against Heather Hardy, by the way. So it should be a really good fight, that one, actually. Um, it's a good test, especially first fight back after being knocked out brutally like she was. I really like that fight. Um... And I really like the, uh, you know, the the main event, Lee Wood and Michael Conlon. I'm shocked that Lee Wood is the underdog in that fight. But anyways, uh, it's going to be a great night of boxing. It's shaping up for their March 12th on the zone in Nottingham. Um, moving now to the preview part of the show. We're going to start here in Kazakhstan. It's not Triple G. It is Andre Sorokin, who... Um, some people will remember, lost his O to John Ryder back in 2018. Um, you know, good fighter, Southpaw, gave John Ryder a lot of problems. I mean, he was he was probably losing, oh, sorry, probably winning the fight, actually, um, until he got stopped by a Ryder. I think it was with a body shot. But he fights here for the vacant WBO international middleweight title against a guy called uh, Mir- Miriam... Nusaltanov, who's 15-0, and 0. it's over 10 rounds there, Sorokin 19-1 and 1 with a draw, but now this is the big one, moving out now um, to Atlantic City, New Jersey, a place I've been with the man I host the show with, Mr. Eddie Chambers, it's taking place though at the Bugatta Hotel Casino, um, let's start with the undercard actually, uh, we've got Evan Holyfield, the son of Evander, he is 8-0 and in a six-rounder against Chris Rollins, who's 5-3 and with a draw. We've also got Tugstot Nyambayar, who has a record of 12-2 and in a 10-rounder against Sicaria Lucas, who's 25-1. Again, Nyambayar, as we know, boxed uh, Gary Russell Jr., um, who we had on last week's show. He boxed him for the world title and lost. I think that was last year, wasn't it, I believe, or a year before that. Um... So he's on the undercard of Gary Russell's uh, fight. Uh, I think it's the chief support. We've got Subriel Matias, who's 17-1. and one. I remember, Eddie, you, um, you know, watching his, his, I think it was his last fight or whatever. 17 KOs from his 17 wins. He's got the one loss, which he lost on points. Um, but yeah, I believe we reviewed his last fight. I can't remember who he boxed now. But he's back in a 12-rounder against Petros Anyan, who is 16-2 with two draws. That's over 12 rounds. Do you remember Subriel Matias at all, Eddie, or not? 
Yeah, yeah, I think, I, yeah, I think he's he's the guy that's real generous with his with his punches. <laughs> and you know what? He, he has a um, a different kind of style with how he is. He his actually his hand speed's not bad. It's actually pretty good accuracy. I think he has real good pop too. Um, yeah, I mean, I liked him. I remember I was saying I liked him. It was just like kind of a different kind of box. I, I don't know. His style was just different. You know what I mean? It's hard for me to explain. I mean, I watched, you know, different guys fight, but I, but I really did like his style. I liked what he brought to the table. Okay. Well, yeah, I've just seen that he's actually fighting the one guy that beat him back in 2020. Um, it's funny because this guy beat him on um, February 22nd, 2020. He's rematching him on uh, January 22nd, 2022. Uh, there's a lot of similar numbers in there. But yeah, he gets in with Petros and Ananyan, the guy's name is. Um, and yeah, it was a unanimous decision, but very, very tight. 94-95, 94-95, uh, both in favor of Ananyan. And 93-96 again for Ananyan. So unanimous, but only by one point on two of the cards. And that was because of a knockdown in the seventh round where Matias was on the deck. So he gets a chance at redemption here. But the main event, Gary Russell Jr., 31-1. and That one loss, I think it was a majority decision or a split decision to Lomachenko. He's here, of course, defending his WBC featherweight world title against Mark Magseo of the Philippines, 23-0. Manny Pacquiao calls him... He's pro to Jay. He's, he's, he scored one of the best knockouts in 2021. That brutal knockout over over Julio Seja, a fight that he was probably losing. Um, yeah, so he's hungry. He's proud. He's in the mood for this fight here. He's gonna he's gonna give it his all. I have no doubt in that. Um, Gary Antonio, or sorry, not Gary Antonio, Gary Allen Russell. That's his, that's his middle name, all the Gary Russell brothers. It is confusing. But Gary Russell Jr., Eddie, um, slightly different preparation for this one. He's coming off his career longest layoff. It's almost two years out the mm. ring. Um, he's been very inactive at the, at the best of times. But this is, is really, um, you know, it's, it's even longer than he's ever been out the ring before. And he's, he's, he's having to do yeah. most of this training camp with his younger brother's help. Helping him prepare, which I don't think is out of the out of the ordinary for him. You know, yeah. it's a it's a family right. unit. But his dad has been yeah. has been massively absent for this training camp, which is the first time in his entire career that's happened because his dad, very unfortunately, uh, was hospitalised with diabetes, had to have his foot amputated, and hasn't been mm. um, mu you know much of a help in in the preparations in the build up. But um, I, I'm hearing he's kind of getting a bit better now and um, he's been, you know, a part of camp towards the end. But, um, yeah, we had Gary Russell on last week. Uh, hopefully he wins a fight, but it's a, it's, it's a good fight. It's 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 a, a dangerous fight. This guy throws a lot of punches. He can outwork you. 100%. Um, coming back with, you know, like you said, off the two-year layoff, I'm obviously pretty sure it has something to do with his, with his father's issues, you know what I mean? Not wanting to be, you know, too um, involved with, boxing too much without his dad but um and on top of that coming back fighting a guy like this with two years off is kind of tough you know i mean this dude is obviously looking to to to, to improve his position and, and become a very hero hungry. become a filipino and, hero yeah and exactly he wants to you know like manny pacquiao you know what i mean so it's a so he is there's a lot of pressure you know on russell here now you know, i don't say a lot of pressure on the other guy i think it's more pressure on gary russell because he's expected to win and you know but Two years out, yes, that's tough, and that can be bad. But for guys like him, who is a sharpshooter, who pretty much I think lives in the gym, from what I understand, um, 
constantly working on his craft, has had have his has his brothers around him. And I know there's gotta be some degree of sibling rivalry between them. You know what I mean? You want to say I'm still the best Russell out here, but you know, uh, he's so I think he's still probably saying staying really, you know, busy in the gym at least. I mean, I know we all know though that being busy in the gym and working out hard and training and sparring is not the same as fighting. So and who and of course, I mean, there's sparring that you can get to prepare and you can have all kind of different little things like that to help you uh, get ready. But um, it's still going to be an uphill, I don't say uphill battle, but it's going to be tough. You know, the first one coming back, such a big, big event. Uh, it's in, in a tough fight, you know, to boot. So, I mean, I'm hoping, you know, Gary Russell's able to do what he's supposed to do and take care of business, but it's not going to be an easy task. Yeah, I agree with what you're saying, Eddie. Uh, Magseo as well always seems to bring the excitement. Um, you know, obviously still undefeated, but he's had very, very um, close shaves. Obviously, as I mentioned last time out, being dropped, being down on the cards against Julio Seja. After dropping Seja, by the way, in the first round. Um, Seja was down in the first round. Magseo was down in round five. He was down on the cards, and he knocks him out in the 10th round brutally. You know, it was a 12-round fight last time. Um, you know, the fight before that, he knocked out Pablo Cruz. The fight before that, he won a split decision. There was, I think, blood uh, all over the place in that fight there. He's had a few fights. You know, he's been down, uh, you know, a couple times as well. He's always in exciting fights. But, yeah, Gary uh, Russell seems to be a guy who, it's weird, but he doesn't ever really look too ring rusty if any, at all. So, um, yeah, I'm expecting him to come in here. I'm expecting him to win the fight. Of course, he's the clear favourite for me. I think the odds, actually, are a little bit too close for my liking. But, um, yeah, I think he wins the fight, um, hands down. But, um, he, 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 you know, is he going to look like he's lost a step? It's been the longest layoff. We haven't seen him out the ring for this long. And Magseo, you know, coming off that brilliant win... He's got a bit of momentum behind him now. It's you know this is his world title fight. I mean he has a chance here to become the next you know the next Nonito Donaire, the next Manny Pacquiao. You just know he's gonna give it absolutely everything he's got. So um, I mean I'm I'm really looking forward to it. Again it's back to back weekends where we've seen world title action. You know good fights. Joe Smith obviously you know his opponent we. We, you know, it was a late replacement. What can you do? It was supposed to be against Callum Johnson. It would have been a brilliant fight if that did take place. It's not, it's not Joe Smith's fault that fight fell through. Then the very next week, here we are with this one here. So boxing is starting to heat up again, and I'm, I'm certainly here for it. But anyway, that is it though for the preview part of the show. Again, as I said, this show has been very, very bite-sized. The final thing for me to do before we wrap it all up is to come in with the outro, which I'll do in just a few seconds. Okay, and this wraps up episode 327 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Eddie Chambers has been with me for the duration of the show. A huge thank you to our special guest this week, the Islington icon, Mr. John Ryder. The biggest thanks of all, though, goes out to you, the listeners. But that's about everything from myself. Enjoy your weekends, people. Stay safe, and we shall see you all again next week.